It's the story of a rescuer, a rescuer who has come, and a rescuer who is on an all-out kingdom invasion. This gospel that we call Mark is a story of the invasion of God's kingdom into a world that is under the thumb and in the grip of tyrant and dark forces. It is so much more than a biography. But it's the play-by-play or verse-by-verse unfolding of the kingdom of God advancing into this world, seeking to liberate it from the destruction and death that holds it and bring it back to the place that God intended to begin with. Because in the beginning, God made this world, and it was a far cry from the world I think that we see right now. It was a world that was good, very good, as the book of Genesis will put it. A world that the ancient Hebrews would call shalom, a word that means wholeness, fullness, abundance, prosperity, life, and nothing short of the presence of God and the harmony between God and his creation. The story of the gospel of Mark is how the world as God made it is not the world that God sees today, but a God who is not content to leave it as it is or write it off or dismiss it or forget it or throw it away and start with something new. No, it's a God who loves this world and a God who loves you and a God who won't stop at anything to invade every last corner of this world, bringing his kingdom. Welcome to the gospel according to Mark. Welcome to the invasion. And play by play, inch by inch, verse by verse, people stand in amazement. People are overwhelmed, but at the same time don't get it, don't see, don't understand. I want to read you a passage today. Tell me if you resonate with this. Jesus says to his disciples, do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Go like this for a minute. You got them, right? You feel them. They're there. Confirmed, right? Look at the person next to you. They have these, right? Listen to what Jesus says. Do you have eyes but fail to see? You got these, right? Do you have ears but fail to see? To hear, don't you remember? And don't you feel like you come face to face with Jesus so often? And what he's doing, what he's about, what he's saying, or what you're perceiving and you're like, I don't get it. I'm not going to admit that I don't get it. But in those places inside, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's up to. I'm not connecting the dots. Welcome to life in the invasion of God's kingdom into this world. If you stand there saying that, know you are in amazing company here today and stand in a long and proud tradition of disciples before disciples before disciples going back to the first followers of Jesus who sat there dumbfounded and wondering and confused as well. But the gospel of Mark is an invitation. An invitation that even though you might not see, you might not hear, you might not understand that there's something there 
something that is good, something that you want, something that you can't shake loose. And for 2,000 years, people have been running to it, digging into it, clinging to it, even despite what they couldn't understand hoping and trusting that behind it there is a God who is on the move. A God who is on the move today. Today, we come to chapter 8. Wave 8 of the invasion of the gospel according to Mark. During those days, another large crowd gathered. And because they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said to them, now I have compassion on these people. My heart goes out to them. Because they've been with me three days already. And they don't have anything to eat. And if I send them away hungry, they're going down. They're going to collapse on the way because some of these people have come such a long distance. And his disciples look around. Where on earth in this remote place would anyone be able to get enough bread for all these people to eat. So Jesus says to them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they answered. So he instructed the people to sit down on the ground. And after he had taken the seven loaves and had given thanks, he broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to, to set before the people. And then a few small fish also. And, and, and he gave thanks for them as well and, and told the disciples to distribute them all the same. And you know what? That whole crowd, all the people, they ate and were satisfied not only so, afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. And there were about 4,000 men who were there eating that day. And Jesus sent them away. And he and his disciples got in the boat. And they went on to the region of Delmanathua. Some Pharisees were there and they came and they began to question Jesus. And to test him, they asked for a sign from heaven. <sighs> Why does this generation always ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. No sign will be given to it. And he left them. And he got back in the boat and he went to the other side of the lake. Now the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread. Between them, they didn't have any except for one loaf. 
that they had in the boat. Be careful, Jesus said. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Disciples kind of scratched their heads on this one and they, they started talking to one another. You know, he's saying this because we don't have any bread. That's got to be it. But aware of their discussion, Jesus kind of pipes up and he's like, why are you still talking about bread? Don't you have eyes to see? Don't, don't you understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have these things? Do you have these things? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? Guys, guys, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they said. Okay, what about the seven loaves that I broke for the 4,000? How many basketful of pieces did you pick up then? Well, seven, they said. Do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Ears but fail to hear? Or are your hearts hardened? Because sometime, at some point, when you come face to face with Jesus in the kingdom of God, it's a question you can't escape. Do I see? who he actually is, what he's actually about, and what he's trying to show me more so. Is my heart hardened? Ask yourself that question today. Is my heart hardened? Have I insulated it and protected it, or better, how? Against the advance of the kingdom of God with me. Today we commune. For 2,000 years, Christians have gathered before what they call a mystery, confused. Not quite seeing and not quite understanding but trusting and knowing and hoping that something God says about this is true. As God broke bread with 4,000, God breaks bread with you. And as we come to this bread today, may our hearts be softened before him. I want to invite you to rise. And I want to invite you to pray.
Soften our hearts, God, and remove the calluses and insulation and the hardness that's developed. Make him receptive and tender and sensitive again. For some of us, I have to believe that's such a scary prayer to say. There's people here who have been wounded, have seen horrible things and have lived through trauma. They don't want to be hurt again. And so we put it on, God, a a suit of armor. Keeping everything out and everything in. Invade us today. Invade our hearts. Make them receptive to you. Forgive us as we gather here to eat this meal. Forgive us, God, for everything that we bring here today. Each of us has it in his or her own way. You know what it is. Hear it now. It's yours. No more hiding, denying, rationalizing it away. Maybe we open to that. To let it out to you. Forgive us. Renew us. Transform these souls within us. To be open to you and call on you and welcome your kingdom today. In his power, Jesus was broken. And his glory shined from a cross, ushering in the kingdom of God for the forgiveness of all of your sins as a sure and certain hope of God's love and redemption for you. They came to Bethsaida. And some people came and brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. So Jesus took him by the hand and he led him outside the village And after he spit in the man's eyes, yeah, placed his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything? The blind man, he looks around. I see people. They look like trees walking around. So Jesus regroups. He puts his hands on the man again and his eyes are open. His vision is restored 
and he sees everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home with a warning, don't go into the village. Then Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And while they were on the way, he asks his disciples, so tell me the word that's going around. Who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, You're the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and that he had to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed. And three days later, rise again. Now, Jesus spoke plainly about this. And Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and saw his disciples, he rebuked Peter. No, get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And he gathered the crowd around him. He called to the crowd, along with the disciples, to come in close. And he said to them, look, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me And the gospel will save it. Tell me, what good does it do a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Oh, I tell you the truth. Some of you who are standing here will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God Come in glory. And it's 2,000 years. Some of you will not taste death, he said to them. 
until you see the kingdom of God come in its glory and it has been 2,000 years. And it feels like we're still waiting. And something tells me it's just a suspicion that those people who are standing there are not still on life support in some home living the fulfillment of Jesus' words that day. Unless, unless we have Jesus' glory confused to begin with. For eight chapters, we have witnessed in advance of sign upon sign and miracle upon miracle, of the advance of the kingdom of God into a world of darkness with power and glory. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute have their tongues loosened. We've witnessed the paralyzed walk. We've even witnessed the dead be raised. We've seen demons cast out, storms be stilled, and loaves multiplied to feed the thousands. We've seen the glory. But he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and three days later rise again. And for the first time in the record of the invasion, it says this, don't let it pass you by. He spoke plainly. He spoke plainly to them about this. And they didn't want to hear it. For eight chapters, they've been confused. For eight chapters, they didn't understand. For eight chapters, Jesus had been walking around like this because they don't seem to get it no matter what he tells them. And now he speaks to them plainly and they don't want to hear it. Because this is the problem of the kingdom of God. When he shows us who he is, it is not very often the God we want to see. When God reveals himself plainly, it is often not what we hope to see. Who in this world doesn't want a miracle in their life? I don't care what you believe. Who doesn't want miraculous intervention, divine salvation, and miracles to be among? Who doesn't want shalom to be manifest? Who doesn't want abundance, prosperity, and healing? Ask every Christian, every Buddhist, every Muslim, every agnostic, every Wiccan, every atheist. They'll all agree. We want to see good things. And if God can bring these to me, oh, maybe. But Jesus tells his disciples this day, this isn't the nature of the kingdom that I'm seeking to bring someday to be sure. But now, now, a kingdom that is ushered in through suffering. Do you want to be a part of my kingdom, he says? 
then you got to deny yourself and pick up your cross. And then you'll see the kind of kingdom that it bring. Is that what you want to see? An invitation to death, struggle, persecution, and suffering? The hardest thing about God is not what we don't see. No, the hardest thing about God is what he shows us all too clearly. That these hard things we carry around inside of us simply don't want to hear or receive the invitation of the gospel according to Mark is to receive God on his terms and not ours. To receive what he chooses to bring. Not what we demand to see. Does it shake you? Is that hard? Does it leave you wondering what you considered signing up for? And whether this Jesus is worth it to begin with. I'd imagine it does if you take it seriously. And if you do, you stand in a long line of disciples who have struggled with Jesus since the beginning. But in it, he offers a promise, hope and life. That his death is no death for just says, for death's sake, and, and your death will be no death for just death's sake either. That whatever the suffering, the struggle, the persecution that it might bring. In the kingdom, a gateway to redemption. In victory, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Jesus promises you. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. May you see the true glory and wonder of the kingdom Jesus sings, seeks to bring and lead you to risk it all and give your life to him today. This is wave eight of the invasion from the gospel, according to Mark.
that's on your feet. On the other side where those who have gone before us can see things we cannot see, hear the words that thunder from heaven. John writes, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. And he knows his time is short. And it fills him with fury. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.